We believe running is freedom and empowerment. We believe running solves problems and makes people happy. We even believe that if more people run, the world will be a better place. We believe in running because it is our passion. This is the Big Peach Running Company Run ATL Podcast with your host, Mike Cosentino. Good evening, everybody. My name is Mike Cosentino, and welcome to PT's Pub, the virtual pub run. Again, it is Tuesday. We have friends with us. Once again, it is a privilege to be able to be doing this to all of our listeners on the Run ATL podcast. Thank you for tuning in once again in this very strange season. But man, have we seen everybody come together. And this is just another small indication of how that is true. We have friends with us this evening, our featured pub runners, and we have an agenda that we believe is going to be fun for us right now in the present and certainly meaningful for all in the future so without further ado i'd like to introduce you to a couple of friends of mine true not just podcast friends but true genuine friends for all the right reasons who are joining us this evening they'll be part of this conversation we're going to give you some things to think about as well first of all we have tim schroer tim is the founder of dirty spokes productions a fascinating organization not only for the products they put into the marketplace. Certainly you can learn more at dirtyspokes.com, but also as perhaps one of my favorite family businesses in all of the state of Georgia and how they make it not just work for our good, but how they have made it work for their family's good. Super cool. Also joining me, one of my most distinguished alumni of Big Peach Running Company of all time, Jared J. Rock Carson, you've heard his name, Recently, he was at the Olympic trials here in Atlanta, competing on the men's marathon side. He is from Atlanta, but he is currently in PDX, Portland, Oregon. Also works for a brand most in this podcast universe have heard, Nike Inc. And so, J-Rock, welcome to you, the other side of the country. Tim, welcome to you just down the road, my friends. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Mike. Well, it is my pleasure and a reminder for everyone, if you are not speaking, certainly put yourself on mute. If you would like to speak, know that we've got full audio. In addition, we have a chat box, so anything that comes up, would love to hear it. I am going to throw a question I think one that everybody is curious about. I'm going to start with you, Tim, and that simply is everyone knows that the local running and racing scene has changed. From a running perspective, it seems like more people are getting out there, perhaps more dedicatedly than ever. It might be a walk around the block or the neighborhood. It might be training for a race that right now is unknown as to when it will occur. But on the other side is that racing calendar that has been so substantially impacted by the coronavirus. And yet those of you who do the work that you've done now have to figure out what next and what to do. So if you could maybe put us in your shoes to the greatest extent possible, how are you doing with this? And what can you tell us about dirty spokes that's going on right now when your races are not? You know what? Yeah, everybody in the running community or cycling community has been uh, impacted by this. And we've just we've just postponed our next four or five races, I guess, and just kind of moved them back, which is fine. We've got a series going on right now of races. and. If we can get back on the trails on June 6th, then we'll, we'll kick it kick it back off at Road Atlanta on June 6th. And then that series will, will go from a 
eight race series down to a six race series, which is fine. Um, and then we kick off another series in July that goes from July through December. And that's another eight race series with a few other races sprinkled in. But we, uh, my daughter came home from, from running one day and she was looking at her garment and texting something to uh, one of her sorority sisters. And I asked her what she was doing and they were doing a, uh, a fitness challenge in there through April. And I said, well, that's kind of cool. So we were talking about it and she said, well, you ought to try to do something that, like that with dirty spokes. And so we talked and went back and forth and I was like, yeah, we'll do a dirty 30 and try to keep the running community involved and, and, and um, engaged and motivated with what we're doing while we can't be with them. Um, so that's, that's how Dirty 30 came apart. And we were going from April the 6th until May 5th. So there's seven days left in the Dirty 30. And that's, we've, we've had a really good response. The first couple of days I kind of screwed up. I, I said, oh, just take a picture of your, of your Garmin, send it to me or email it to me. And I'll, I'll go in and write it all down on the Excel file. And uh, getting about 450 emails the first two days, I was like, time out. And so Linda, as she always does, comes to the rescue. She saved me and she's an Excel guru. So we went on to Google, Google Doc form. Everybody submitted their info there. And then Linda takes that info. And actually, Madison and Julia are doing that now after Linda trained them. And they're, they're recording everybody's data each night and getting that going. So we've got about 450 people that have been in that done the dirty 30, but we're probably about 275, 325. They're reporting uh, their mileage each day. So it's been cool. It's, 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 a, uh, it's a neat way to keep people motivated and people email us and give us their stories and tell us how they're, uh, the things that they're doing and how they're staying motivated throughout it. So it's cool. Well, it really is cool. And I've seen it. I've seen the correspondence. I've seen the tea that you've now recently released. And even though there are a few days left, I want to be one of the first to say congratulations to all of those who did the Dirty 30 at Tim and Linda and Dirty Spokes Encouragement, because it's not only been a way for them to keep you motivated. I will tell you, following along, admitting that I did not do it has been motivating. So it shows, Tim, that everybody is in this together, that when people probably showed up in such a big way, I'm sure that was motivating for you and for me to have tracked almost voyeuristically with what you've done and what all they have done has certainly been motivating for me. So let me be super specific to your business, knowing that venues matter, right? I think along with the product that you have that is known far and wide for just being fun and being encouraging relative to the environment that you put together, there's also the physical aspect of having a venue, having a great place that you want to show off those trails and those surroundings. What kind of responses are you getting from the venues that you've used, many of them for years, relative to bringing events back and how soon that would be the case and what safeguards or what considerations that might have to also be in place that were not there before? Oh, I think I think part of that question is unknown. We've gotten a, we've had a really good response and I think we've got a good relationship with the parks and venues we go to. I just talked to uh, our, our lead over at Forsyth County Parks and Rec today and he and I agreed over the next six weeks, we're kind of in an unknown period that we don't know what's going to happen. But I told him that we had talked about a couple of different things that we could do so that we could keep making sure that we can put the races on. And if we've got to go from a, you know, a mass field of 400 people at a starting line down to staging it where we do, do it by age categories, we might do it that way. Um, and that would lessen the number of people on the starting line and lessen the number of people that are, that are hanging out and around. We could do a, a, um, a wave start that way. So, 
we talked about that, but I'm, I'm, you know, keeping my fingers crossed that we can all walk to the starting line at uh, eight o'clock in the morning on June 6th and then June 13th and just say go with everybody. But I, I don't know if that's realistic. Um, but we do have a great relationship, I feel like, with all the venues we go to, Fort Yargo, Forsyth County Parks, Gwinnett County Parks. But they, uh, they've all said the same thing. They're ready for us to get back out there and, and, and keep doing what we're doing. Well, I love the fact this is something that we've been talking about in our organization and to give everybody kind of a peek into our leadership team. I think Tim reminds us that relationships, they matter. Sometimes you don't realize how much until something substantial, really significant happens. And now, Tim, you've worked years to cultivate, the, cultivate those relationships with those venues as we have our landlords or with a banker or with a team member. And it seems like day in and day out, you're just doing what you believe is the right thing to do. And you don't think about the depth of the relationship that you're building until a time like this. And now you have people you can lean into, people who are empathetic and genuinely want to help out and want this community and your business to get back to doing what you do so well. J-Rock, you've done a race recently, pre-COVID. It seems like it might have been a hundred years ago on certain days. I saw a sign today that said, man, what a year this week has been. And that certainly seems true when I think back to the Olympic trials. Only the last day in February, a gifted day to us at that as part of leap year. And now here we are. You're not supposed to time or date stamp a podcast. Tim already did the heavy lifting of doing that for us, right? He said six days to go in the dirty 30. I'm not afraid to violate that rule. We are in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic right now. And so here we are, even before the end of April, less than two months after you had a special day in Atlanta. How are you feeling and how do you put in words how much has changed even for an Olympic marathon trials participant and now waking up in the mornings thinking, I could never have imagined this. What's it like in your shoes? Yeah, it's, uh, it's just weird. You know, I, I, I actually, before this podcast was looking back at pictures on my phone of the trials to kind of like remember what it was like, because the other thing you have to keep in mind is, with all of us working from home and all of us staying away from people as much as possible, even the guys that I was with at the trials, those that I train with on a regular basis, those that were with me at the in Atlanta at the event, I haven't really even seen them either. So there's just been this big disconnect. I think it'd be different if, yeah, the trial seems like now it was a long ways away, but when you look at the calendar, it really wasn't. Um, but it seemed even further because I'm so, I feel so disconnected from, the people who we all helped each other get to that starting line, the people who we interact with, whether it's in running or just hanging out in a social environment afterwards, uh, we're not seeing each other at all right now. So that, you know, we've tried to do the virtual happy hour some and, and try and connect through text. But, you know, I think we can all agree we're ready for some normalcy because it doesn't it doesn't equal actually being in a room together and being able to talk to one another across from across the table. So. Yeah, I'd say the biggest change for me has just been just not being able to interact and see see so many people who I'm used to interacting with on a daily basis. And yeah, I mean, I think we're about two months out right now, um, a day shy, and it's it feels like it's been six months since the trials. Um, and I think a lot of it too has just been because 
you know, obviously haven't been traveling at all. And, you know, I'm not used to, you know, going to and from Atlanta. I was used to flying and traveling. And then I haven't even been able to, to experience what it's like to even travel to an event. So it's, yeah, it's, it feels very, very distant. Well, you let me write to, and again, if you're not speaking, maybe put your mute on just because I want to make sure that all the background noise doesn't get picked up to whatever degree our podcast audience might have to hear that as well. But J-Rock, one of the things I wanted to ask, and you led me right here, was you're used to training in a group. I remember in our post-race conversation, you mentioned how important that training group of yours was in Portland, not to help you make the trials, but to help you get ready, even through injury, mentally, emotionally, and certainly physically. Now, whether it's a group run where people are just used to going out and getting some miles in a few times a week with friends, or whether it's people who are training at a really high level like you, most of these miles seemingly done solo. Is that true for you? And if so, what tips would you give yourself and the rest of us who are used to training or at least just running and socializing with others? Yeah, I mean, certainly when I was preparing for my qualifying race and when I was preparing for the trials, uh, I think, like I mentioned to you, it is a daunting task in itself to try and get ready to run 26 miles. Um, It's even it's even more challenging when you're trying to put a specific pace to run 26 miles in. And I, I know for me, there's no way I'd be able to make it would have made it to the starting line if it hadn't been for having other guys to run with out here in workouts, because it just forces you to just reach to a a different level, a level you didn't know you may have had in yourself. And I do a lot of running by myself when I'm not doing workouts, but on workout days, it was, it was a guarantee. I mean, we always knew we had at least two or three other people to work out with. And so, uh, right now, uh, I'm just really enjoying running right now. And, and I was thinking about this conversation earlier today. And, um, you know, for me, Mike, you know, a lot of these details, but my trials chasing, trying to get to the to Olympic trials one day really started in 2013. I would say when I moved to Austin, Texas, and I really found a good group of guys to run with and really push me to the next level. And I was fortunate enough to be able to, to find that when I moved to Portland as well with a good group of guys, but man, I have had a lot of ups and downs in running over the years and a lot of injuries and a lot of setbacks. And there have been so many moments in my life where I get injured and I say to myself, why the hell am I still doing this? Like, this is not fun. Like going to PT all the time. This is not fun. Like sitting on the sidelines when other guys are working out. Um, But it, it comes back to the fact that I just absolutely love the lifestyle. I love the sport. I love the community. I love the way it makes me feel. Um, and you know, I, I, even today, I mean, I went for a four mile run earlier today, pushing my son in the stroller and it's like, I got done. And I was like, it feels the exact same as when you finish a hard workout or when you finish a race. So that's the reason that I find myself keep coming back to this is because of the way it makes me feel and, and the lifestyle that I want to have for a long time. Yes. It's obviously fun to be able to chase competitive goals and try and get from point A to point B in a certain time, but it's in, it's in times like this too, where I'm, I'm truly tested and I'm like, you know what? I'm not just doing this because I want to run a race in a fast time. I do this because I absolutely love it. And so right now with no races on the calendar, um, me coming back from, as you know, a stress fracture, not, not long before the trials took place, 
was a little banged up after the trials. Um, I, I'm, I'm kind of coming back slow just to make sure my body's, you know, where it needs to be and, and been dealing with a few other like little hamstring stuff. But all in all, like I'm just really enjoying running right now and I'm trying to maintain as much fitness as possible. But um, I, I'm just enjoying the run right now. I've, I've been trying some new things as far as like uh, doing some core routine. I've never really been much of a strength weightlifting guy. I bought a hex bar a couple weeks ago um, and, and doing some lifting now as well and just trying to get trying to just keep the fitness interesting and, and try some new things in the midst of all of us staying at home right now. That's awesome. And I love the way you paired running with your son with running a very hard workout in preparation for a trials qualifier or even the trials themselves. That's an awesome reminder for all of us, including those of us who perhaps are not ever going to be near a trials starting line. So the question for this week, I'm going to throw out to everybody in our out of studio in pub audience, as well as for the run ATL listeners, something for you to think about. And that is, are you listening? So here's the question I'm going to ask Tim, maybe to give us some really tactical objective perspective. But the question this week, are you listening is what is the role in your mind and in practicality of headphones in our sport. There's been debate by race directors inside and outside of running groups and neighborhood runs. When people are together and when people now more oftentimes than not are running by themselves, what is the role of headphones in our sport? And Tim, from a race director's perspective, I know you have to probably have a policy even that suggests what it is at your races. So first, professionally, maybe on behalf of Dirty Spokes, where do you guys fall on that very interesting question? And then personally, I'm going to ask for your opinion as well. I'm not suggesting you should contradict yourself, but I do want to get everybody's opinion on this and the role that headphones play in our sport. Dirty Spokes, does it have a policy? And where is your head these days about people listening during your races? We we do not have a written policy about it, but if you ask me, I would I would say that we, we don't have a rule against uh, headphones at the races. My only request is that when people are running with the headphones, is that they'll turn them down to a, uh, a low enough volume that if somebody's coming up on them and they're saying passing on your left, passing on your right, they can hear it. And that doesn't always get a, I guess people don't always abide by that because somebody's trying to pass somebody and they've got their headphones turned up so loud and they're in their own world and you can't hear them. But yeah, I would, I would, I, we, we, we will not, uh, we, we don't monitor that at the races. If you want to wear headphones and allow for motivation for yourself running, I, I get that hundred percent get it. So people do wear them at the races. We don't have a policy against it, but my only request is that people do wear them, turn it down so that people running around, you can, uh, you can hear people trying to pass you. I love it. And I love the fact that you mentioned that the policy may be no policy and the term motivation, because I do think it exists with the. Like Mike, Mike, who there. Uh, he's trying to get that. That is a interesting dichotomy. So 
Bob Wells, you indicated listening to your body. If you can put your audio on, I'd love to hear what your body tells you that is obviously so motivational on its own and obviously very informative that you would say, that's really all I need. Well, it's a combination of things. I mean, I, I'll be the, the first to admit that um, running is, um, I don't know, for lack of a better term, a spiritual experience for me. So ah, so okay. uh, there's, there's that element to it. But um, just trying to be in tune with my breathing and, um, you know, I, I, I think uh, others could identify with this. Um, I, and don't get me wrong, I used to listen to music or podcasts or audio books all the time. This, this was years ago. But um, these days, by not, not, not only uh, kind of being in tune with myself as I run, um, I think of all sorts of things, you know, out during a run. I mean, get I, I get ideas for all sorts of things. So I'm not I'm not sure that that would happen with with, you know, if I went back to listening to music all the time. I, I've literally gotten to the point where I, I don't even think about I don't carry a phone. I don't carry, you know, I where's that? Oh, it's it's right here. I still have one of these, um, you know, the little shuffle because. I, I didn't like to carry anything heavy, but um, I don't even think about carrying this anymore. So, I don't know. Well, I think for those who maybe haven't thought about this, they just do, or others who have not been involved with our sport as long as maybe others have, have not thought about, well, gosh, is this a question that others ask, whether it's a race director or somebody who's gonna show up at a new social or group run wondering, what most others are likely to do. Scott, I'd be curious what you're listening to and given the fact that you use the term love, even if it's not maybe the same kind of love that two persons have for one another, it obviously means a pretty deep commitment and a pretty regular occurrence for you where you're gonna put those headphones on. What is that other side of the story that you would say to maybe someone who's asking this question for the first time? You know, I mean, for me, when I when I'm running on the road, which is not my favorite, when I'm on the road, I need to just kind of zone out, disappear. I'm back in, you know, in some rock concert in the 80s, you know, and, and that's just at my age. It's a lot of 80s music. But uh, um, I will say, you nice. know, to, to each his own. And but, you know, I agree with Tim, like when I, I live in Conyers and so. I get the uh, the privilege to be able to run at the at the horse park on a regular basis. Uh, on the trails, uh, I'm the same. I don't I don't listen to any music. Uh, I like to be in tune with what's going on in nature. Uh, and certainly when I'm racing, um, I think it's I think it's a courtesy to other runners to be able to hear if, if they're saying, "Hey, on on your left, on your left." So because I got one speed and it's slow, and so there's a lot of on your left going on around me. So. Uh, on the road, 80s music, uh, and then uh, on the trails, listen to nature, racing, no music, because I really enjoy the uh, the crowd when I'm racing. Wow, that's awesome. These are awesome answers. So, J-Rock, I said I was coming to you as an elite athlete. This is a perspective that many will not be able to have on their own, so you have to give it to us. What is your perspective on whether or not 
headphones are part of your equipment? A little bit of both. Um, I actually used to be like very against headphones. Um, I always felt like they were a distraction or I felt like there was a, you know, a level of safety that you couldn't be aware of your surroundings. Um, especially if you were by yourself and you were just, you know, too zoned out and then the music with podcast was too loud. Um, but I find myself, um, on workout days and on long run days, I do not wear headphones. Um, those are days that I like to, to Bob's point, like really listen to my body and really be in tune with what's going on. Um, and I'm usually so focused on whatever the workout is or um, who I'm running with or how I'm feeling or what the pace is that music or a podcast would, would honestly be a bit of a distraction to me. However, um, I have found that, you know, over the past few years when I go out for easy runs, um, just getting some mileage in, I do find myself listening to music and to podcasts. Um, I feel like it's been a good opportunity of, whether it's an audio book or uh, TED Talks, I'll find myself listening to. Um, it gives me a chance to just listen to the podcast and, and think a little bit deeper and a deeper level sometimes because I am like out by myself and I feel in, in tune with my body. And it's like, if, it to me feels a little bit more like a spiritual way as well, just to sort of think about what it is I'm listening to a little bit more. But I will say this, though, I, I'm very particular about when, uh, where I'm going to when I'm listening to headphones. If I know I'm going to be somewhere where maybe out on a busy road, I, I usually don't take the headphones. Um, but if I'm going to be in a park or um, on, a, on, a, on a trail where I know I'm not going to have to worry about cars, then I will I'll happily wear headphones. Because I like to go out for runs and not think too much. And if I find myself having to worry about where cars are or pedestrians or cyclists, um, the last thing I need is the distraction of music or, or podcasts. So I would say a few days a week I listen to music or podcasts, and then the other days just run by myself without headphones. So for those who have not thought about it in much depth, there you have a clear indication that you don't only make a decision perhaps based on whether you fall on one side of yes i'm for it even in races that do not have a strict policy against it or no i'm not necessarily for it in fact i want to take the more purest approach which would suggest that listening to my heart rate as it increased or listening to my breathing rate as i tend to go uphill or listening to those thoughts in my mind powerful or subtle Regardless of the fence that you have and which side you are on, you can see that many choose by the workout, the day, the location where they're running. And I think that gives us all some permission to make those decisions while we're lacing up our shoes. And I would say even for some, in fact, from my own personal experience, there are times I listen primarily to podcasts. Although I have to say, if I had Scott's playlist on my phone, I might do that instead because i'm also an 80s music junkie give me some heavy metal and some head banging a little bit of long hair and perhaps some of those songs that i don't hear often enough my podcast list might get truncated but there are oftentimes i'll listen to something and then want the time to think about it whether it's an audiobook or a short podcast to be able to say i'm going out for six 60 minutes, listening to a 30-minute podcast, shutting it down, and then giving myself 
the peace of mind necessary to think about what that podcast might have said or what I need to tell myself that I heard or remind myself is also really helpful. So are you listening? Give it some thought. That was our question for this week's episode. J-Rock, you were banged up a little bit when you were in Atlanta. How are you feeling now? And given the fact that you were on a road that had to include recovery as you got back to Portland and got back to enjoying this sport, anything you would share with us that you have found to be particularly helpful? Because we can all relate to feeling banged up and we all want to feel like you felt after pushing your son today on that four mile run. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm getting there. I'm feeling better. Um, <clears throat> for those listening and for those obviously on the call, just to give some kind of some context as far as what you're referring to, um, you, as you know, Mike, uh, I had a stress fracture back in December that I found out about in my sacrum. So low back, hip, glute area. And so I was pretty much out of commission um, about eight weeks out from the trials, found out I couldn't run for six to eight weeks. So it wasn't really the news I wanted to hear um, two months before what was I thought going to be the biggest race of my career. And so I spent a lot of time on the bike. I spent a lot of time in the pool. Um, and then when the trials rolled around was, was able to run and enjoy the experience and had a fantastic experience. And as you know, we've talked about this, Atlanta came out strong and really represented. And so when Atlanta track club likes to call themselves the running city USA, I was like, after that day, I think I can believe it. And it was a fantastic experience, but I obviously um, did not have the fitness to go the full 26 miles. So I went 13 miles and happily injury-free stepped off the course and was able to, to celebrate with my family and friends who were standing there. Um, and so from a, from a stress fracture standpoint, um, the body is fully healed up, the bones completely recovered now, um, have had no more issues with that. But due to the stress fracture, um, I was overcompensating a bit and, and ended up kind of irritating my opposite side hamstring. And so to be honest, ever since the trials, I have actually been trying to nurse that back to full health. And I am finally within the past two weeks starting to get some relief in the hamstring. Um, have been working with PT quite a bit and has been, uh, has been getting a lot better. So um, kind of to the point I said earlier of like, for me, it's been one, obviously getting healthy, but just taking this time that we all have of being kind of staying at home, um, not having the ability to race to just figure out like what weaknesses are in my body, take the time to work with PT to get over injuries, try and prevent this from happening again. Uh, and just been enjoying, you know, doing the core work, doing the strength work and, and, you know, making sure that I'm taking advantage of other areas, even if it doesn't mean you know, I think we take so much for granted just being able to lace up our shoes and just go out for a run every day and not think about it. And, you know, I've had to think of the past few months, like, okay, I need to figure out, like, what can I do to avoid this? And what can I do to just simply be able to get out and enjoy a run? And so I've been really thinking about all the little things that I can do over the past few months um, to get out and, and enjoy runs, whether it was a hard 10 mile run or if it's four miles pushing pushing the uh, stroller, asking Brady to stop putting more toys in there because it's getting heavier and heavier to push. That's awesome. You can handle it, though. I'm all for Brady putting everything he owns <laughs> in that stroller. 
you finding the biggest climb you can get in Portland and getting the upper body strength to move that uh, lower body speed to another level. All right, Tim, I have to ask this, and it's perhaps not just one person or one runner to another, but quite frankly, one business owner to another. And that is that through this season, there are things that we've had to do, of course, that are modified from what we were doing before coronavirus really became a thing. And then there are things that we're now doing. It's kind of like, why were we not doing this before? And then there are other things that I'm just certain we will continue to do. As an example of why weren't we doing this before, curbside pickup at Big Peach Running Company has been hugely popular. It's incredibly easy. And I've wondered to myself, for people who know what they want, why have we ever made them have to come inside the store when we could easily walk it to their car anyway, even if it's just part of concierge-like service? We have the ability to check them out right next to their car door. Mobile transactions are obviously a thing. And that level of convenience shouldn't have had to be precipitated by COVID-19. In your business, when you look at what perhaps has changed, if not forever, at least for the foreseeable future, what are some of those things that you think those of us who love being part of the dirty spokes culture, being part of your extended family, are going to maybe see that's different or things that you would say, hey, maybe Mike, I don't know if you uh, you kind of went in the community are likely to be hangovers, leftovers, or carryovers from this. You know what? I, I like what you guys are doing. I do like the um, um, Linda. I just got a pair of shoes for Linda from Big Peach Swanee the other day. And, and um, actually, Greg mailed them to us and had a real nice handwritten note in there and i know that's a service that you guys provide and that was that was super cool and i think that's something y'all have always done that personal touch that big peach offers um, okay I that uh, and i can hear you did you get the question well i got most of the question can you hear me right now can you hear me mike your, your mic is uh muted can you hear me bob Scott, can you hear me? J-Rock, can you yeah, hear me? We can hear yeah, we, you. I think, I think yeah. Mike, Mike is on a mobile device. And okay. uh, Mike, are you on Wi-Fi or cellular? Because you're breaking up. It's good. I'm going to do the best I can do to answer what he uh, what he said. And if you if you guys want to follow up, follow yeah, up. No, we, but, yeah. And, and, we can and hear Dave, you well, Dave may want to jump in here as well. It looks like D2 is, is on the call. Yeah, Dave, um, you on there also, brother? At any rate, I, I do think the the curbside um, uh, thing that people are going to now, I, I don't I don't know that that's going to go away. I do think that that's something that be here to stay for the retail uh, shops. I think it's it's a super convenient thing. I know the bike shops are going to that and they're they're doing that as well. Or they were calling people in one at a time the other day when I went over to Roswell Bicycles. And um, but at any rate, back to what I was saying when when Big Peach mailed those shoes to me and there was a handwritten note on the inside. I just, I just think that customer service is outstanding and, and I love it. I don't, I don't know that there'll be a giant change in, 
what we're doing. I think the Dirty 30 is really cool. Um, I'm glad that we can engage people over this time. But in all honesty, I think what makes what what I enjoy or what I appreciate doing is, is getting back and interacting with the runners. I enjoy race day when I get an opportunity to shake people's hands and give them a high five and, and congratulate them when they come across the finish line. That's where that's where I think that, you know, I, I just that's what I enjoy about what we do. So I, I don't I don't want us to go to a virtual situation where we've got to do races that way. If we do, I've really got to work hard to reinvent ourselves and, and do um, wave starts or whatever, because I, I want to be there on race day and, and, and interact with people. I really do. That's so I, I don't I don't see us changing from that perspective. Um, I don't know if other race directors will, but I just I, I think that I want to give you all your, your bang for your buck or whatever by me being there on race day and, and our, our staff being there on race day and, and, and giving you the, uh, the entire race day experience. Well, along those lines, Tim, and first I'll do an audio check. Can you hear me okay now? Yeah, yeah man. Okay, excellent. So thinking about this new phenomenon, it's not that new, but certainly I think now has maybe re reached that phenomenon status of virtual races especially for trail races that's tough to recreate what's even tougher to recreate you already mentioned and that is that environment that dirty spokes provides that enthusiasm that encouragement that sense of wow there's no better place to be on a saturday morning where is your head on virtual races and maybe that combination of whether virtual races stay as part of something people are doing alongside actual races or do you think virtual races might end up being in its heyday right now and perhaps be something that is relatively off the mainstream by next year at this time i think i think they're 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 popular now um and i think it's an opportunity for for some race directors to uh to 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 do something in the community. I, it's not the route that we want to take. It's, it's just not, I, I don't, I don't want to put on a virtual race. I, I want, I want people to be there on race day. And I just, um, if we're going to work and I, I, I don't want to put on a virtual race. Mike. <laughs> well, well I, I, that's why I asked because it, it seems, I mean, part of what you do so well and part of, I think my personal affinity, my gushing over what dirty spokes does for the community is because you have to feel it. You have to sense it. You have to almost be in the middle of it. And I don't know how you do that virtually. Not that there are not some cool concepts out there. And sure. for our partners who have elected to do that, I know it's a ton of work. I'm not so sure it's not at least as much work as an actual race. So I give them all the credit in the world for going for it. But to recreate sure. the type of environment that you have, oh, my goodness, that seems like a really difficult task if you're not in person. Yeah, and, and we might we might have to get into that situation in the next month or two months or three months if we're not if we're if we're not uh if we can't get back on the trails but I, I really I've got my fingers crossed June 6 is going to happen whether we've got to do wave starts like I said earlier um, through age categories but I'm, I'm we're we're, we're uh, I'm pretty dead set on June 6 or I'm, I'm really hoping for June 6 and that might not be realistic I get it I, I get everything we're doing right now is day by day but I, I would like to be out, out and going again on June 6th. Well, I know you have a lot of true tribe members. And so there you heard it. June 6th, Tim already indicated he's going to do what is right and what is required, but certainly pushing for that date, Tim. And one thing that I've seen from afar also that I'm super impressed with 
you and your team is the way you've relocated people to other races or that you have changed the date for an event and putting it in the back half of the year or at a different date altogether. How has the response been? For those of us who are on the other side of it, how flexible do we need to be? And, and what are you finding from the running community that you would say is worth noting or giving us some coaching given that relocation to new dates or going from one race to another or having to be mindful of the fact that things have changed. Anything that you would coach me and others on as we go into the back half of this year and the fact that race calendars now are entirely different than what we're used to, whether it's your calendar or the Boston Marathon or anything else, how do we deal with that in the back half and what would you ask of us? Fall, fall is going to be packed and we get that. I, I understand that other races are moving their, their races into the fall and people already probably had commitments um, down the road after we made our adjustments in our calendar. So I, I get that. And we're not, we're not, you know, this, we're not looking to just take people's money. So we did give everybody, everybody an opportunity. If you want to transfer the race to our new date, you could do that. If you wanted to uh, transfer to a different race that we put on, you're welcome to do that. Or if you just flat out wanted a refund, we've issued those as well. But I would say 95% of the people that we've gotten emails from have been, no, just transfer my entry and um, no, a minimum have wanted refunds. There's been a few that have, have just had conflicts and couldn't make the new date that we had. But for the most part, everybody's been great as they always are. Um, so, but I, I do get that the fall, fall calendar from pack. I understand that. But coming in 20, uh, 2021, all of the dates that we've used this past year, we'll roll everything back to those exact same dates again for 2021. So we won't, anything that we've had to transfer down to, we're not going to keep that for 2021. We'll move everything back to what the original dates were as of right now, if that makes sense. It does. And I might call this a shameless plug, but I also might call this very important information. Nothing has changed farm to trail, correct? We've got some good news and some bad news. Bring it. This we is have the place to, to we do it. We're, we're moving. Maybe I should have talked to you before the podcast. No, this is live, baby. We like to do things on the fly. Keep us on our toes. October 24th, we had to move Iron Hill once. And then when that, when we had to push it back again, we had to move Iron Hill again. And we moved Iron Hill to October 24th, which was farm to trail. So farm to trail will be moved to 2021 instead of 2020 thought behind that is we just weren't sure if people were going to be be uh, traveling outside or traveling as far with everything that's going on with the uh, coronavirus if people were willing to take make a uh, make a long weekend trip out of it with the economy we weren't sure what people were going to do so we were uh we bumped farm to trail no charlie Creek farms this year <laughs> all right well there, there's the information for everybody i would like to say uh, you're uh, first but so did I. <clears throat> but Tim, I fully understand that, and I will tell you that it's a. Big Don't question. chew me out on the uh, on an email after this. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, I I wore my farm to trail shirt for good reason. I didn't know that uh, that this might be a little bit of a collector's item until 2021. So that's good. If I uh, if I put this on the next time, I'll know that it has even more value than it did when I put it on on this particular day. Well, one of the things that is also a gift that we can now unveil, J-Rock and I, we taped a post-race conversation that was going to get released in April that we felt 
skittish about releasing like nothing had happened. That was part of why I wanted him to come back on. J-Rock, I want to give you some advance notice because we're going to do one more trail thing. And then I'm going to let you bring us home on this particular episode. Because one of the things I love about you is kind of your ability, not just to inspire us, even teach us, whether it has to do with running or whether it has to do with life lessons that have application well outside of running. But you are someone that lives a life of gratitude and it has a spirit of gratefulness. And I think a lot of us are getting that sense, maybe more so than ever, given how much of what used to be commonplace is not right now. How many things we have to admit we likely took for granted that now we miss. And so the question I'm going to let you take our audience home on after we get finished with our last bit of trail talk is simply how grateful you are for Atlanta and for the experience you had on February 29th, because that's a special memory. I know not just for you, but for so many. And knowing that we are going to attach the conversation you had when we released this episode, what I don't want to miss is the opportunity for you, whether to say thank you or just take us back down memory lane, rightfully so, to February 29th, and just have us understand through your eyes and through what you sensed why that was such a special day. So know that that's how we're going to finish. In the meantime, the other topic that we included today for this virtual pub run was trail talk to tie in with all the good work that Tim and Dirty Spokes does. We are going to give you a quick indication why trail shoes matter, what the four characteristics of this particular type of footwear are, and then we're going to give you a chance to win a pair of trail shoes. So get ready for a question. It will be coming at you very soon. First of all, the four considerations when people say, do I really need a trail shoe? Ultimately, you should answer that question yourself, but you should take these four characteristics into mind to determine the answer for you as an individual. First of all, the most obvious, of course, a trail shoe is gonna have a much more aggressive traction on the outsole. So for those places that it is going to be loose rock or it is going to be gravel or scree, for those particular courses or trails that have much up or downhill where you believe you will need additional traction, that makes that characteristic worthwhile. Yes, some do come in water resistant or waterproof options. Others do put a tackier surface on the outsole to give you added traction in wet conditions. But number one, of course, is the more aggressive outsole. Secondly, a reinforced toe bump you think about on the road how rare it is that the forward part of your foot hits a rock or a root or even a curbside but certainly on trails it's more likely that could happen so a reinforced forward part of the shoe or what we call a toe guard or toe bumper is part of the construction on a trail shoe that does not exist on the synthetic portion of a road shoe thirdly the wove, woven material the mesh the way the weaving is constructed on a trail shoe on the upper much more tightly woven when you think about a trail shoe reason being dust and debris last thing you want is that as part of the mix inside your shoe with your sock and your foot and your moisture and your perspiration so the weaving technology and the woven mesh is different on a trail shoe as another added feature. And then lastly, and the manufacturers we work with give this such a cool name, they vary by brand, might be a ballistic rock shield. 
might be a metatarsal protection aid. It may be whatever fancy term you come up with, but it is an extra sheath in the midsole, always underneath the metatarsal region of your foot, sometimes underneath the heel. You think about stone bruising or that possibility of stepping on a rock or some kind of protrusion on the trail. And my goodness, you are so thankful for that. Of course, that's not necessary on a road, on a track or on a treadmill. So that reinforcement in the midsole that gives you protection for that forward part of your foot underneath the metatarsal region, or perhaps the heel gives you that fourth and final reason why trail shoes are different. We always recommend at Big Peach Running Company only neutral shoes or neutrally constructed shoes if you're running technical trails. You don't need any mechanisms in your midsole that want to move you to the outside or lateral side of your foot. You think about the biggest risk perhaps outside of falling down on a trail is turning an ankle. Those that come with stability componentry in the midsole only enhances that possibility. And of course, unlike on a road where your own gait cycle tendencies determine what happened first, on a trail, the surface tendencies actually dominate your gait cycle tendencies. So you don't have to worry about overpronation because if you are on the outside of the trail or you have a rock that is underneath your foot, that will determine which way your foot rolls first and foremost. So neutral trail shoes only. Here is your question for a pair of Solomon, our number one trail brand at Big Peach Running Company. Your size, the giveaway for today. What country is Solomon manufactured and calls home? One of the leaders around the world in off-road footwear. Where do they call home? Give us both the country and the city, and you may be the one who ends up with a brand new of Solomon Trail Shoes. We are going to close this episode strong. For those of you on, you can put your answer in the chat box. If we get it before J-Rock finishes and we close down, we'll announce you as our winner. Otherwise, you can send your answer to podcast at bigpeachrunningco.com. We'll pick from those who have the correct answer. We'll let you know. When you put your email address in that you are the winner and those will be yours to enjoy j rock coming back your way my friend you are a grateful person that i know february 29th a special day for you why is all of that so true yeah i mean the the, the biggest thing for me is was uh was a homecoming party um you know as you know I grew up in Atlanta. I might live in Portland now, but I spent the first 25, 26 years of my life in Atlanta. I grew up in Atlanta. My entire family's in Atlanta and running in Atlanta is where I got my start in running. Um, I was, I started running as in, in high school just to get in shape for soccer, like many others. And something about the sport just kept me going. I continued on in college. Um, I continued on even as my time at big peach, um, running local races. Um, uh, you know, staying in tune with the running community as much as I possibly could. And then as I, as I moved to Austin, Texas, met a bunch of great people, um, started to have this crazy idea that I might be able to make the trials. I initially tried to make the trials in 2016, um, but wasn't able to quite get there. And then it was in the back of my mind. And then I'm trying to remember when it was. I want to say it was around two, like early part of 2000. Late part of 2017 or early part of 2018 is when they announced that the trials were going to officially be in Atlanta. And at that moment in time, it was a guarantee. I, I mean, I, I absolutely knew that I had to give it everything I possibly could to get to the starting line in Atlanta. And so just 
train my tail off to get there and getting to the trials injury injury aside it was absolutely everything that i could imagine it would be um it was an emotional day uh i remember standing on the starting line and could not get over how many people were standing there spectators um how loud it was i remember when the gun went off i just remember it being i felt like i was in a tunnel and I had people screaming on both sides of my ears, so loud. And I remember running the first four or 500 meters of the race thinking to myself, it's just a starting line. It'll get quiet when we turn left. And we turned left and it got louder. And then we turned left again and went over the bridge and got on the Peachtree. And you could just see as far down as Peachtree as you possibly could. And I have never seen that many people at a race in my life. And I was like, I didn't know this many people lived in Atlanta. You got alone come out to watch a a bunch of runners run down the street and it was i remember getting chill bumps as i was running down peach tree um i remember i knew my family my friends and and my high school coaches um were going to be standing at mile around mile two two and a half and when i came running by them i could see them they had signs out i saw my son he's four years old he was sitting on the sidelines with his shirt on that said Bowerman Track Club with our name on the front. Um, it was an emotional time. And you know, there were there were definitely moments. Luckily I had sunglasses on so you guys couldn't see the tears that were watering in my eyes at times throughout that race. But it was an emotional day. And um it was a day that I will never forget. Um and and it just it brought back so many memories of not just not just that day. It wasn't about that day. It was about it was about all the relationships that I've built over the years. It was about it was about the people who got me involved in the sport to begin with. Um, it was a reminder to me that, you know, running a sign, like we can really overcome any challenges in life. And, you know, Mike, as you know, like there's been a number of things that like I've had to deal with over the years. And running is always a reminder that I can get over those challenges and overcome that. And that was that was no different with this child experience as well. Man, I get chills every time hearing you talk about it. What an awesome way for us to remember how things were and more importantly, how things will be again. Everybody who has been part of this, it is appreciated. Jay Rock and Tim Shore, you guys are not just friends of mine. You guys are friends to this special community. Jay Rock, as you indicated so clearly, Atlanta is Running City, USA. Thanks for hanging out with us at Peachy's Pub this evening, y'all. I am happy to report we have a winner for sure. Annecy, France is the correct answer. Also the home of Mont Blanc and Hoka running shoes before they were acquired by a California company, Deckers Outdoor. So lots of heritage, especially off-road in Annecy, France. That's the correct answer. Bob, when you get a chance, please send your size podcast at bigpeachrunningco.com and we'll figure out a way to have you pick those up or get those sent to you because a Solomon pair of trail shoes is good for you. I promise you that. Well, thank you so much, Mike. And Tim, I'm going to have to uh, to find a race to come uh, get those things to go on. Most so definitely. I commit, to, I commit <laughs> to that, man. Where, where do cool. I go to look up to look up your race calendar? 
What a great reminder so that we finish properly. All of this, of course, will be on the show notes. But if you have not done yourself a favor, dirtyspokes.com, please check that out. Tim, I don't know that we can afford to outfit every single perspective racer in a new pair of Solomon, but Bob is a great place to start. And we look forward to seeing everything come back together. And again, gentlemen, thanks for being part of this. As we always say, as we certainly mean, now as much as ever, may your best miles be those covered on foot. Hey, everybody, it's D2, and we hope you enjoyed this rebroadcast of the virtual pub run from last Tuesday night. We've got some additional bonus content here where we had Jared Carson sit down with our host, Mike Cosentino, back on March 1st, the day after the uh, Olympic marathon trials. We hope you enjoy that. Coming up next. And welcome back to the Run ATL podcast, a special segment. Indeed, we get a chance to do something we don't oftentimes get a chance to do. We are going to get the backside of a story and a featured conversation that we've brought you previously. More specifically, Jared J-Rock Carson, fresh off his Olympic trials for the marathon experience, rejoins us. He does so in person. What an awesome opportunity and a delight for me to lay eyes on you, J-Rock. It's good to be here, Mike. Good to see you face to face. Oh, my goodness. This has been a long time coming and so much has happened. For those of you who are just hearing J-Rock's nickname and the name Jared Carson for the first time, I implore you to go back and listen to episode 61 where Jared was our featured conversation. You will get caught up very quickly by doing so. But what I already mentioned and what you can probably ascertain on your own is J-Rock was one of the participants in the recently completed Olympic marathon trials here in Atlanta on February 29th. You look great, dude. How are you feeling? I feel good. Uh, I will get into it in a bit, I'm sure, but I had a little bit different experience than I had anticipated and we spoke about five or six months ago, um, but still a wonderful experience and, uh, you know, like anyone would, I've got a little soreness in the quads <laughs> and I've been walking down the stairs a little bit slower than I typically good. would, but all in all, I feel good and and not not too banged up in the hills. Well, let's let's talk about that because first, since we did talk to you five or six months ago, you had to get ready. And just from staying in touch with you and knowing that we get a chance to connect when we're not on microphone, your training schedule didn't exactly go as planned or as we had hoped collectively when we finished our taping back in August or September. Mm -hmm. Just to bring everybody up to speed, give us a little bit of a sense of how your training went coming into Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, the marathon is just such a challenging event when you're trying to run it at such a high level. I mean, you've got two major things you're trying to accomplish here. One, you're trying to get your body prepared to run 26 miles, which mm -hmm. in itself is hard enough of a task. And then two, when you're trying to run um, at an extremely fast pace, for me, 5.10, 5.15 was kind of the goal pace. 5.15, 5.20 probably on the hills in Atlanta were more doable. But um, trying to run that pace for that distance takes a lot of time and effort. And we try and be as smart as we possibly can. But I think I pushed the envelope a little too much in the buildup mm -hmm. for this. I think there was a lot of emotion that went into this buildup for me for many reasons. Some personal things that were kind of working through that there was more reason for um, the fact that I was coming back to run in my hometown, um, the fact that I was coming to run in the city that I first started running and learned about the sport. Um, so there was just a lot of emotion and training was going really, really well. Um, the intensity was really high. 
the volume was a lot higher for me than what was typical. And that can go one or two ways. It can either result in an amazing breakthrough performance or it can result in injury. And unfortunately for me, it was the latter. Um, back in December, I started having some issues with hamstring and my low back and tried to run through it for a while. And uh, right around Christmas, 1st of January, found out that I had a, a sacral stress fracture and had to completely stop running and working out all together for about two weeks and then really had to shift the mindset to how am I going to get prepared to step on the starting line because you know me well enough there was nothing that was keeping me from that starting absolutely line. and so it resulted in a lot of cross training for about four to five weeks um and major respect to triathletes out there because I don't know how you do it managing all those <laughs> activities in one day because um, I was about to go insane on the bike and in the pool as much as I was, but it, it allowed me to get to the starting line healthy. It allowed me to have the experience that I was looking for at the trials, which we'll jump into in a bit. But um, it was not the the uh, traditional buildup that I was anticipating um, well, back when we spoke in September. Well, and similar, and heck, let's continue to use triathletes as that example. When you are planning for a triathlon, you are strategically doing the swim, the bike, and the run and certain disciplines yep. for you you were to be a specialist and that was on the long distance yeah. demands of the olympic trials marathon yeah so to have to shift to more cross training to have to shift to more time on the bike or in the pool would not have been suggested by your coach or perhaps by your own understanding of being the ideal situation yeah for sure i mean it's i'm used to mostly running i do some cross training but um you now are asking me to do, do a lot of cross training and activities that I've never even done before. Um, I mean, I can remember the first day I jumped in the pool. I mean, luckily at Nike, we have great facilities to work out in. We have this beautiful pool to jump into. I've done some aqua jogging there with a belt, but I was jumped in the pool one day to swim, and it was it was an ugly experience. And um, it took uh, it took quite the lifeguards probably keeping an eye on that guy in the far far lane. But it was good. It, it was good for me to learn, and I was able to, to kind of get comfortable with the swimming and. Then I had to figure out how to do like workouts on a bike because um, I don't do that all the time either. Um, and so I feel like it kind of like allowed me to like it opened my eyes to a couple different opportunities of like how I can maintain and improve fitness in the future mm. and then not just be extra running all the time. There's other ways to do that. So that was a learning opportunity for me, for sure. Good. Maybe one of those silver linings for those who will hear this before they go back and listen to episode 61. J-Rock mentioned Nike. He is part of the Nike team out in Beaverton, Oregon, was a member of the Big Peach running company team for many years and has transitioned to the supplier side of the industry. So certainly has the resources that Nike has on their campus, J-Rock. You'll have to go back and listen to our episode with Haley Chura, who was a participant on the women's side incredible story for her. She qualified for the Olympic trials 16 years ago mm. as a swimmer. Mm. And she had an event that she hoped to do in about two minutes in the trials qualifier. Then she became a professional triathlete and now has qualified for the Olympic trials in the marathon and knew it was going to take her well over two yep. hours and 45 yep. minutes. Yep. So you think about the yeah. range necessary to go from a sub two minute event to something that's two hours and 45 minutes plus. So you may be doing it the opposite way. Maybe we'll see in four or eight years qualifying for the breaststroke or the backstroke or something in the pool. 
Highly doubtful, but we'll see. Well, let's just concentrate on the experience that you had this time. You said it was special. Yeah. And you and I were talking before we fired up the mic, and I almost got goosebumps just kind of thinking about some of the things that I could not experience firsthand, but can almost see through your eyes as you were describing it. So take us to that, whether it is race morning or just kind of leading up to it as you landed in Atlanta and then started to know it is go time, and this is really special. I'm going to soak up and remember every bit of it. Yeah, I mean, you know, this was my first trials experience as a spectator, as an athlete. What I I hadn't been to a trials ever before, um, and I don't. There had been some, obviously, as I when I was younger in Birmingham was close by, but I wasn't super into running yet, so it wasn't really, I wasn't on my radar. That sadly shows our age difference because I still remember making the trip over to Birmingham for that, and yet you say you might not have been. Old I was enough. geeked out with soccer then. I wasn't geeked out with running yet. And then I didn't, you know, didn't make it to Houston, wasn't in LA. Um, and so for me, you know, I I knew it would be special and I knew it would be busy and chaotic and exciting, but uh, I mean, I was blown away. I mean, I, I told you before we fired the mic up too. I mean, first off, kudos to Atlanta Track Club. I think they did a phenomenal job indeed um, putting this event together. I can't imagine the amount of work and stress that's gone into that crew for not only putting together trials, but then the next day having another marathon with thousands and thousands of individuals. So kudos to them. They did a fantastic job. Um, and the whole buildup was to the entire week was was an experience. It wasn't just race day. I mean, we got in on Wednesday and we started having activities and they did everything for us that we wanted to from dinners at the Georgia Aquarium to tours of the College Football Hall of Fame, um, hospitality suites, it, everything you could possibly imagine needing to just be comfortable for the week and not have to stress out about was there. Um, and then getting on the starting line on Saturday afternoon um which that itself is a little weird getting used to it, such a late start sure. um you know we're used to the traditional 7 a.m 8 a.m start so not starting until 12 o'clock it clearly gave no excuse for the spectators to get there because there were plenty of people that had time to get up and they were out there that morning but standing on the starting line was special but man when that gun went off <laughs> it was unreal i mean i have never seen that many people lining the streets of something and I think I told you I felt like I was in a tunnel and I just had people on both sides of me just screaming as loud as they possibly could into my ear and I guess when they going off I expected that to start and I just knew that when we turned left and started kind of making our way towards Peachtree that it would die off and it just got louder and then we made a left turn again and it got louder and then I said, well, surely we go across the bridge and we start making our way down Peachtree. Like, it's going to thin out there. Like, people have other things to do on a Saturday afternoon, right? No. I mean, that street, for as long as I could possibly see, was just lined with just people screaming and yelling. And just the energy and the amount of enthusiasm that the community and the city of Atlanta brought out for that day um, was just unlike anything I ever could have described. I mean, I was running and literally trying to hold myself back because I had chills running up and down my spine. Um, luckily I had sunglasses on, so people probably couldn't start to see the watery, teary eyes in my face, um, with all the emotion, but, um, it, it was, it was an experience that I will absolutely never forget. Well, and we've mentioned this on occasion already since the trials conclusion, but I will not miss an opportunity to again, say thank you and well done to the citizens and visitors to Atlanta on that special day. You came out in force, you represented Running City USA so terrifically. Certainly it was 
America's Marathon Weekend, not just in term, but very much in spirit. So J-Rock, you're moving along and obviously coming in with the less than ideal training plan, obviously with the history now in your training of a very difficult stress fracture. As you get to that point where you're supposed to be settling in, maybe it's mile three, maybe it's mile five, what's now kind of coming into your mind alongside the enthusiastic crowd and just the fact that you are participating in the Olympic trials? Yeah, I mean, you know, like I had said to you earlier, like I, you know, weeks and weeks and would go when I first found out of my injury, I initially had thought to myself, like, well, I'm just not gonna run. Like, I'll go there and I'll spectate and I'll cheer on. And then after about three days, I found a pity party for myself. I was like, there's no way I can do that. I have to step on the starting line. And every every week that passed, I felt more and more confidence that I could get a little bit further in the race. Whether it was gonna be the full distance, I didn't know. Um, but I knew that I wanted to be able to experience as much as I possibly could of it. For me, the plan, um, which was originally to place as high as I possibly could, now shifted to survival mode mm. and and soaking in the the crowd and soaking in that experience and knowing what it felt like to run in that race and and hopefully inspiring a few people to 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 not be disappointed if they get knocked back with an injury or a setback and to can continue moving on and just change your expectations um whether that's you know in life or in a physical sure. exercise activity and so that's what I did. And so um, when the race took off, you know, my game plan was instead of running 510 to 515, it was let's run 540. And as I told you, um, I felt like the first mile I was walking and I was letting people pass me and we looked at our watch and it said 520. And I was like, oh, I kind of need to slow down a little bit because that wasn't what we talked about. Um, Just imagine that, friends. You're running a 520 pace and based on others in the field and what they're doing, as well as the environment surrounding you, you feel like you're walking. But you did. You did mention that analogy. And it only became more so. Yeah, I I literally let people pass me and I felt I was trying to slow down even more in the next mile. This was a part we were starting to go down Peachtree. So there's a little bit of a downhill portion and it just got louder and louder. Next mile was 515. Third mile was 520. Fourth mile was 520. Um, and at that point, I'm like, well, like, let's just see how long I can go. And at some point within five, six miles, we started coming back south and heading up Peachtree again and um, heading back into the city. And, you know, the hills were, were, I was already feeling it in the quads a little bit. The wind was extremely, extremely strong that day. Um, and I made a conscious decision around mile seven or eight that. I really kind of thought to myself, like, what do I want to get out of today? Do I want to suffer and walk in and potentially ruin this experience and leave this memory as a negative one of hurting and re-injuring myself and being out for another eight to 12 weeks if I re-injure and get the stress fracture again? Or do I want to try and soak in everything I possibly can and, and enjoy this and leave this on a positive? And so I decided the latter around mile mm-hmm. seven or eight. And so um, I, but I told myself I wanted to get to the halfway spot for a couple of reasons. One, I mean, we're distance runners and it's a nice even number of like halfway to marathon sure. distance. And most importantly, I had um, family and, and close friends who I hadn't seen in a long time standing at the halfway spot. And so I got to go back around, come down Peachtree, heading south on the Peachtree, South, no, heading north on the Peachtree, going down the hill, got to see my family around mile 10 um, and just, you know, put my hand out, got to hit the hands of everyone. Uh, my four-year-old son was sitting there on the streets and I, I got a little teary-eyed and 
got to point to him and almost give him a little kiss as I ran by and and he got all excited and then got to run by my big peach family in midtown location and the energy was high there and just really got into the crowd and just like getting people fired up and just loving to see the people in Atlanta just getting so invested in what we were doing on that day flipped around came back up Peachtree um finished went through the halfway spot jumped onto the sidewalk embraced with my family uh the very first person I embraced with was um my first ever high school my high school cross-country coach Brett Harden and and that was uh, an emotional bonding for us, for sure. Um, you know, he's the one that I first learned how to take a step when it came to running and learn about the sport. And so it was really, really special for him and for my the assistant coach, Ken Hurst, to both be there. And then enjoyed spending time with them. And then, like I said, I jogged back to the finish line to try and see the finish happen. And, um, you know, had a little mini emotional breakdown when I got back <laughs> to the 10 of like, did I make the right decision or not? But um, I quickly came to and realized that, you know, I got out of that day what I wanted and it it's I'm able to look back at the pictures and, and think about it. And I'm glad we're doing this so that I can listen back and remember this as well. And talking about this experience because it's one that I will absolutely never forget. Well, let's do that. Let's finish with two questions. I think maybe you exclusively, certainly uniquely are qualified to answer. First one is let's assume everybody who is out there on Saturday, February 29th is listening. And I get our listenership is broad and we're so thankful for it. And yet we're not going to hit everyone. But just assume for a second, we will. What would you say to them, knowing this is your opportunity to connect with each of them almost individually, when you certainly didn't have that opportunity on Saturday and you had way too much going on at way too fast of a pace to be able to communicate with any, but just a select few. What would you say to them now? Thank you. You know, I think there were just so many people that made this day special between uh, the organizers, between the crowd coming out and cheering and spectating, between the runners who worked so hard to get there. And everyone had their own little mini celebration. You know, I remember seeing um, a couple, it looked like a couple ladies in the back of the women's back who looked like they were probably pregnant. You know, like just out there enjoying that moment they have. And, you know, with all the runners being out there and the energy that they brought and the amount of just the crowd, I mean, I think this was the largest trials field we've ever had. And there's a different level of um, excitement that comes with having that many people on the starting line as well. So, I mean, in the city of Atlanta and, and, and all the fans that came out, I just thank you for allowing me to be able to have the experience in the moment that I had on, on Saturday. And I hope it inspired and motivated a lot of people to come back the next day and run the the public marathon and and if not that they might be inspired to try and do so now next year awesome well as someone who did run that marathon i can tell you there was still some energy on those streets that helped me and many of the participants and j-rock a couple of things that you've mentioned you and i talked about before doing this but the reason i wanted to ask that question about what would you say is i estimated you would say that but the reason i wanted you to answer to field that question is especially for all those people who did make the time, set that time aside, perhaps even spent some energy to get down there on Saturday. Y'all, it mattered. There it just came from one of our own, an Atlanta native, a big peach running company alum, an Olympic trials qualifier. It mattered. And I know he speaks for all of the other participants on the men's, on the women's side, for those who had fantastic days, for those who had frustrating days, what you did by showing up it mattered j-rock just confirmed that okay second question j-rock and take us to a break this way 
you and I, one of the things that we share and certainly have a collective affinity for is that running is so good at teaching and instructing us lessons in life. And you've had this really cool experience now from qualifying for the trials, doing the training that has come along really well. And then times, like you've mentioned, not gone as planned to showing up, to having that starter's gun go off, to having those special moments, some of those perhaps even challenging moments that were part of the Olympic trials day itself. And now the reflection that that is part of your story. So what would you say that as it relates to life in general and for all of us who will never run in an Olympic trials event, but we can take a lesson from you that you've learned through this experience that has such universal application and that you would now share with us? What is that? No, that's a fantastic question. I think it's one of the reasons I continue to come back to running all the time is because it puts such a perspective in all aspects of my life. And I think I said something similar to this in September, but it's like you enjoying the process. Mm. Um, I, I think it's what we do from a running standpoint is hard. Like there's some days I love it and there's some days I, I think about quitting and then the next day I wake up and I'm like, why did I think that? Like, there's no <laughs> way I'm going to quit doing this. It's something I'm always going to do. You know, I'm, it, it, my, there will be a day where I'm not running. I, I think I'm running five minute pace and I look down and watch is telling me nine minute pace and that's okay. <laughs> and I'll be prepared for that day when it happens. But just enjoying the process day in and day out and having something to always look forward to and a goal to always chase after, you know, and, and what right now that might be like trying to qualify for the trials, but for someone at home that might be like, Hey, I just want to start becoming more active. And there's a 5k coming up in my local neighborhood and I'm going to put that on the calendar and I'm going to get out there and I'm going to walk that 5k. But now I have a goal in front of me. So being able to just continue to chase after a goal, enjoy the process. Um, and, and, that's that's what it is for me it's it's enjoying the process and, and loving what you do and having passion for it that's awesome set goals enjoy the process can you tell us another four years from now will we see at the trials again if all goes well uh yes i'm i will i have chicago marathon in the fall and there is a lot of unfinished business especially after how this performance ended um there's a lot of fire in the belly for me right now so i will do chicago marathon in the fall um look to go for a big pr there and then we'll have to wait you know it's probably going to be a year or so before we find out what the standards are going to be for 2024 i anticipate that times will drop a little bit for both men and women but we'll have to wait to see what that is and then um yes i will more than likely be chasing after the 2024 standards and uh it will not be in atlanta unfortunately but i'm glad that i was able to check that off the bucket list of covering this in atlanta but yeah i will be chasing after that standard i'm sure there it is on the Ron ATL podcast. We bring you those headlines first. He has indicated four years from now, he'd like to do it again. Certainly we will continue to check in with Jared Carson, J-Rock. You are a special friend. You are a wealth of inspiration and information on how this is supposed to go. So thank you once again for sharing it with us. Appreciate it, Mike. Thanks for having me. Always good to see you. Thanks everyone for tuning in to this week's episode of the Run ATL podcast. Don't forget, you can tune in live to one of our virtual pub runs every Tuesday night at 6 p.m. And if you can't make it, we'll rebroadcast it here on the Run ATL podcast. We hope you're staying safe and healthy. And remember, may your best miles be those covered on foot.